Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order, because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. Hello and welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Join us as we discuss some of the most compelling issues facing boys today. Our goal is to equip you with the information and support you need to help today's boys grow into healthy, happy men. Dear listeners, you may have noticed that we are starting to run some ads on our podcast. And Jen and I have made the decision that we want to support and promote specific products that we believe in. You can show us your support as you already do every day. We love you so much, but you can show your support for Envoys by supporting the products that we bring to you. We won't share anything with you that we wouldn't use ourselves. Certainly you are going to make the decisions that are best for your family and what you need might not be exactly what I need. We are only going to share the products that have passed the Jen and Janet test. That's right. So support on boys and support the products that we share with you. How's school going? Don't you hate that question? That is a fraught question in any year for most parents of boys. I didn't do any kind of scientific study, but I would guess in a regular year you ask that question and probably eight out of 10 families will say it's not going so great. Now we add in the pandemic and virtual learning and everything else. And so it almost seems a ridiculous and stupid and crazy question to ask because we are all in less than ideal education situations. Nobody is doing education their first choice way right now. That said, it is a big, huge part of our lives. And I know it is causing a lot of stress for a lot of families, a lot of parents, a lot of boys. And I want you to know, Janet and I want you to know, you do not have to settle for miserable. Things may be tough, but it doesn't have to be miserable. 
So today we have with us a special guest who is going to help us dig into this question of school and learning, education and family, and how we can make it better given the constraints that we face right now. Joining us is Sarah Mendonca of Learning Together Coaching and Consulting. Sarah has a PhD in educational leadership, and she is a homeschooling mom of three, ages 17, 15, and 12. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. You are absolutely right. This is the foremost topic on a lot of parents' minds, and it seems like every week things are changing, the tide is shifting, um, comfort levels are fluctuating, and uh, frustrations are rising. So I have enjoyed being able to support people that have come into my path, and I'm happy to be here and, and offer what I can. So let me ask you this question first. It is, we all know the problems right now. We're, most of us are living it in our homes in some way, shape, or form. But do you know anybody who is not struggling with learning right now? Do you know any, of any families who seem to have found a solution that they're like, you know what, this is working for us? You know, there are um, certain people that I think are actually doing okay, but they're probably people who were already on a somewhat alternative path before this happened. So for example, families that have been homeschooling all the time, they're not really too affected other than the fact that the activities that their kids are involved in have been canceled. And so like everyone else, they're struggling with isolation. From a school standpoint, um, it's kind of status quo. Um, also, uh, people who were already doing online learning in most states, there mm. are existing online earning, learning options that have been around for, you know, uh, up, up to 10 years in some places or more. And um, so my kids had already been doing um, online classes and were comfortable with it already. And so it's been um, a relatively seamless transition from that perspective. And then I think when it comes to school districts, gosh, there's been so much variation um, mm -hmm. in terms of how they've handled it. And I think uh, the ones that have had the hardest time from, from my observations are the ones where school districts um, either were late in announcing plans and didn't give people enough, teachers especially, mm -hmm. um, enough lead time, um, or they're, maybe they had plans, but the plans were not um, very sound. And so they had to shift and that led to a lot of disruption. And I, I really feel like the disruption and the uncertainty is the most stressful part. I feel like everyone gets that things are different and it's no fun, but you know, we'll, we'll adapt. But what's really hard is when you try to gear yourself up for this thing, and then you have to switch to that thing. And then you have to switch again to the other thing. And every time it just requires so much emotional and mental energy mm -hmm. for everyone. Yeah. I've, I have a client who started out, her son was in um, going to school and went to school for like five days and then, oops, sorry, now we're back to remote learning and that was for two weeks and then they're back at school and and I'm really glad you spoke to the the emotional toll that it takes it's not just the logistics it's the emotional toll and the you know I think parents are trying to be you know stiff upper lip and yes we can do this and yet no one no one is doing this easily I 
maybe not no one, there's probably someone who is, but it's really hard on the adults and for the adults to recognize how hard it is on the kids. Yes. And I think that, um, well, I should say that when my kids did start taking classes online, it was um, the, the, our first venture into online learning was when my oldest was in ninth grade. And there was definitely a learning curve, not in terms of content, but just the, the learning management system, just figuring out how to navigate the platform, figuring out how to submit assignments in the right format, knowing where to find um, information and how to, um, you know, communicate with teachers uh, when it's all, you know, uh, through email and comments and that, that it took a while. I mean, there were definitely some tears and he was in ninth <laughs> some grade. Some of them were my sons and some of them were mine. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was in ninth grade. I was, uh, recently visited my daughter and was doing my work at her kitchen table while she's in her office teaching special ed first through fifth grade online. If you can imagine, I think this is true for all of us. She really had to let go of the expectation of the teaching that she would be able to do in her 20 minute time slots with those kids, because most of the time was spent, number one, telling so-and-so to get off the video game and come to the screen to, you know, do the learning. And she's, she's helpless of trying, you know, there's no ability to reach through the screen and say, hey, oh, come yeah. on. And oh, so yeah. most of that 20 minutes is still even a month in to, you know, click this button, here's where this is and, and that kind of management. So that's been really frustrating and challenging. And I think it speaks to, and I, I'd love your opinion of this place of letting go of academic expectations right now. I was just going to say the same thing, as a matter of fact, because um, it reminds me of, of Mother Teresa and the story about how when she um, first got started with her ministry, she was um, teaching street children by writing in the dirt, you know, in an abandoned building. Uh, and and I think about how we've 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 made so many advances in education and we've got all this great technology and all this great curriculum. Um, but doesn't it really boil down to relationships and can't we communicate so much just in conversation? You know, a lot of the homeschooling that we did, I, I, I love to use the term stealth homeschooling because I loved when my kids were learning something really awesome and they had no idea because it was fun and natural and just, you know, we were just doing something together, right? When kids are young, they just, they crave relationship so much. And so I feel like, yes, letting go of some of the academic expectations and, and saying, you know, we're all living through an unprecedented crisis, a global crisis, and um, it's okay. <laughs> for us to relax a little bit about the standardized tests. And, and I'm glad so many um, education officials have had the, the wisdom and the compassion um, and the good sense to waive certain requirements because I mean, what, 
you know, what else are you going to do? There's just no way to hold people to the same standards. What worries me um, most and um, is, is the gap that I think is going to widen as a result of this, because we're seeing the pandemic pods where, you know, families with resources are hiring private teachers, even renting office space or, or houses um, for their kids and their friends to, to meet Yet you've got other families where, you know, the parents are working crazy hours. They don't have the resources. Um, they don't have uh, the, the know-how. And um, what's, what's going to happen to those kids? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like that worry is hanging out there. And I feel it. You feel it, Janet. I know you do as well. And I can't do anything about that. And somehow I need to figure out how to relax with my own children. No wonder this is all so tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, everybody is scared. So many people I know are saying they're having trouble sleeping. You know, they're having trouble uh, concentrating. Um, I mean, it's just, it's a lot for everybody to process. And I think, I think most kids are, are feeling it maybe more than the adults in their lives realize, um, just because they can't articulate it. Um, I think they are definitely picking up on all this anxiety and uncertainty. What are you seeing and hearing with your coaching clients, Janet? Well, so I want to really dive into this, the, our kids, our boys, especially number one, the, just the actual sitting at a computer screen and the attentiveness, we'll put it that way. But number two is the motivation, which I'm seeing in my clients that have kids in the more like uh, 12, 13, 14 year old range. And basically, I mean, I have one, one mama whose son is refusing to do school and he's playing video games all day long. And she is feels right now helpless to get him to take school even a little bit seriously. And so what, what do you suggest for uh, number one, like how to make it more palatable to just even be at the screen, but number two, how to get those boys who are just have like put their foot down. I'm not doing this to participate at some level at any level. Yeah, that is a very big question. And I feel like um, it goes to some underlying causes. Um, I think that in my family, we've emphasized the importance of learning and the joy of learning from day one. And so I don't have to convince my kids of the importance of learning because they get it and they want to learn. And I'm, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, Um, even if they, it's not that they aren't sometimes, you know, lazy or procrastinate like, like every kid. Um, But at least we're not arguing about the, the value or importance of learning. Right. But I think that, that there are kids who, who don't get that. And that's hard. You know, how do you convince them, especially once they're at that age where what, what mom or dad says doesn't carry as much weight as it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it go, comes in, in um, comes down to motivation too. I mean, it's, it's related, but um, what are their goals? Do they realize what the, what the end game is? You know, do they realize that the choices they're making today have consequences for their life later on? I think that's where actually a lot of boys in that age range are struggling 
right now because um, my two that are in college, so they're older than that, but the two that are in college are really struggling with, why am I doing this? Yeah, The economy is already tanked. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. My oldest is um, finishing up a degree in music business as the entertainment industry is, you know, mm-hmm. like on hold and Chaos. crashing. He doesn't know if he'll have a job. My 20 year old, you know, he's sort of the same thing. So I, in some ways this, um, for some of our boys anyway, I don't want to speak for every, every situation, but for some of our boys, I think some of this um, lack of motivation is them going, is there any hope? Why am I doing this? What is the point? And my gut is that if that you have to talk about some of this with them, you have to try and untangle some of it. And there may also be an underlying, you know, depression and anxiety going on as well. I know I'm struggling with that. You mm-hmm. take underlying depression and anxiety, and then you add in all of this global uncertainty. It's, it's not exactly a recipe for productivity and motivation. <laughs> We're going to pause for a moment for a message from High Health, one of our sponsors. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? You may have one of those children like my niece who ate only macaroni and cheese for about six of her formative years. <laughs> Many kids kind of fixate on one particular food and you are tearing your hair out, dear listeners, trying to make sure that they have a balanced diet. I will say from, from the benefit of the years, my niece now is a grown woman and has two healthy kids. So that mac and cheese sustained her. But our kids need more nutrition than we are able to give them in their regular diet. Which is why so many of us look to vitamins to fill those gaps. And so many of us, myself included, have been dissatisfied with what we find on the shelves. We recently connected with a new to us company called Haya Health, and they have chewable vitamins for kids that are non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gluten-free, nut-free, all of that. And they fill in the gaps in modern children's diets in a chewable vitamin that kids love. My guys liked it. And my guys uh, are kind of picky. Yeah. So they've been kid tested by your guys, by your nieces and nephews. So we feel, and we've tested them too. We've tasted them. And we believe in this product. This is a pediatrician approved, super powered, chewable vitamin. It was created by two dads that were tired of children's vitamins that actually cause more problems than they solve. So with these vitamins, with Haya Health, you know that you're getting zero sugar and zero gummy junk, and yet it tastes great and it's perfect for picky eaters. We've worked with Haya Health and we have an exclusive offer for you. If you go to Haya Health and use the onboys code at checkout, you can get 50% off your first order. Go to Haya Health, H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com and enter onboys to get that 50% off. The discount will be applied at the checkout. So get full body nourishment, 
so that your boys can grow into healthy adults. That's HayaHealth.com slash OnBoys. Now back to our conversation with Sarah Mendonca. One, one of the things that I've been talking to my kids a lot about and thinking about myself is that now is a time for divergent thinking. Now is a time for um, new and innovative solutions. The world is changing probably permanently. And uh, in I can't think of a single uh, field or domain that hasn't been affected by this. And so, yes, that's a crisis, but that's there's also a lot of opportunity there. And um, I have been paying close attention to all of the people and organizations that have been quick to say, okay, we got to find a new way to do things. And, and so I do think that there's a lot of opportunity for people who can be creative and adaptive and responsive. And so I think for, for boys, um, or girls tapping into their passions and their strengths and helping them to see possibilities for how they can earn money in a way that is related to something that they love. That can take so many different forms, but clearly everything is shifting to online right now. And so there are, uh, there are ways that they can share with the world about the things that they really love and enjoy and find interesting. Um, I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. So whether it's blogging or podcasting or uh, a YouTube channel, um, you know, or, or just building a website, learning how to make apps, um, you know, there's... I think getting them excited about a project is is probably the thing that that has the most potential to wake them up. In some ways, we all uh, have a bit of an advantage coming to this conversation in that we all have personal years of experience with sort of 
outside the traditional realm of education thinking. Janet, you, you know, you spent years in Waldorf education and Sarah and I both homeschooled for years. And if anything causes you to, you know, question everything that you thought you knew about education and learning, homeschooling is, is one of those things. So, you know, for somebody who's maybe not there yet, Sarah, what would your advice be for somebody who they're realizing this current option is not working and yet, you know, it's terrifying to potentially step away from it. It seems easier to fight with your son to sit at the computer because that's all you know for an option right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing I, I try to tell a lot of families is that there are options and, and it's scary, change is scary. But I mean, none of us are getting out of 2020 without uh, coping with change. So (laughs) (laughs) well said, Sarah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think that it depends a little bit on the age of the child, because, you know, for elementary schoolers, I admire um, public school teachers tremendously. And I know they do a lot of important things. That said, I feel like a kid, most kids with caring parents um, could probably spend half a year out of school, come back and not be horribly behind, especially this year. Older kids, it's different, you know, with high school, taking time out of school, you know, can affect, you know, when they start college, but, you know, (laughs) Again, it's affecting everybody. Yeah, as as, as you pointed out, I mean, who who knows what they're going to do after college anyway. And so um, it's definitely a time to take a step back and and look at options, you know, once again, with an open mind and say, you know, how can we relieve the stress and the tension right now? And how can we do things that are that are really going to be good for us? So, you know, I think that I feel uh, the the greatest sympathy, I think, for parents whose kids are being expected to do synchronous learning virtually all day, because uh, of all the options, I feel like that might possibly be the worst. (laughs) Um, Educational jargon here, define synchronous learning for people that aren't familiar with the term. Some schools are are back to in-person and they're trying to follow guidelines and that's, you know, not the same thing as uh, in person without masks and social distancing, but at least it's it's in person. It's the closest approximation to what we had pre-pandemic. Um, then you've got um, uh, hybrid programs where they're sometimes in person and they're sometimes at home, and so you've got a little bit of that balance. You're you're able to to distance um, and observe the guidelines, but but you also um, have have a little bit of work to do at home. Then you've got the virtual programs that are either asynchronous or synchronous. So asynchronous is um, they can log in and do the work at their convenience. So if they want to sleep in, as long as they get the work done and turn it in by the deadline, that's fine. Synchronous, they have to sit in front of the computer uh, while the teacher is live all day. And um, so they can't move around. They can't, you know, they're supposed to have have their, their camera on. It's, it's exhausting for the kids. I mean, none of us likes being <laughs> in meetings all day long. And, it, and certainly when, it, when they're online meetings, you don't get those same, you know, good feelings that you get when you're in person with people. So it's, it's stressful for them. And, and I have told, you know, some families that, um, you know, complain about how hard that is for their kids to sit still. I mean, 
oh my gosh, like an eight-year-old boy asking them to sit in front of a computer screen all day like that um, and be attentive in that, in that setting. I've, I've said to them, you know, think about how much stress this is causing you and think about whether one of the alternatives that's available to you might be better from a physical health, emotional health, mental health, and even academic standpoint. Yeah, we do not want to make that eight-year-old boy hate learning at age eight. And and so, you know, Jen and I talk often about he's got, you've got to give him opportunities to move his body before the expectation is that he will sit in front of a screen if he has an opportunity to be standing rather than sitting. But really and truly for an eight-year-old boy, the expectation of even 20 minutes of attentiveness is max, like yeah. maximum. Yeah. And a lot of times I think too about, okay, when and how are kids the most receptive to new information, right? And if you're, if you're talking at them all day on a screen, it's, it's, it's just going to ricochet right off, right? But, yeah. But, you know, if they are getting a chance to play outside and they have, you know, good balance in their lives, you could spend half an hour reading a book to them and it might all absorb completely and stick, you know. So I I think that's a, a piece that a lot of people might not be thinking about right now is the quality versus quantity in terms of the, the virtual learning. Yeah, and that this is this is that opportunity to learn life skills. It is that stealth homeschooling. They don't know they're being schooled. But again, I just I I'd have to just pause and acknowledge those parents out there who don't have the opportunity to be home with their kids. And that's that, you know, that gap that you talked about of just the widening social fabric is there's kids that parents, that parents have to be working. And I want to reassure those parents, you know, a lot can happen in the time between when the workday closes and bedtime. And so not sweating the daily school, quote unquote, schedule. And it doesn't all have to be academic, educational, during that time, there's so much that you can do together that is both enjoyable and has, you know, learning and curiosity and skills building built into it. You know, some of my favorite memories of our homeschooling years are like watching a documentary that was on PBS that we were just all fascinated in. Well, there's science, there's geography, there's all kinds of learning, but we're watching it together because we're interested in it. Or, you know, going to um, a nature park for a hike and little kids do this much more than the teenagers, but even the teenagers will do it. You know, they start discovering things and exploring things. And then that leads into, you know, what kind of rock is this? There's all of that natural innate learning. And I think that we can take some of the stress, a lot of the stress off ourselves and our kids by just leaning into these experiences as being with our children and parenting without worrying too much about, are they learning something from this? Yeah, exactly. And I think too, that, um, 
you know, for me, um, I'm, I'm assuming that you two uh, also came from homes where our parents genuinely enjoyed learning new things and modeled um, curiosity and enthusiasm for, for learning. And so that, you know, that, that has stuck with us and, and made us excited about teaching and, and being lifelong learners too. And I think too about how attitudes towards education and learning are passed on differently in other families. And so if, if a, if a child grows up with anxiety and negative associations about school, and then they become a parent and they're not, they're not really able to model that same joy and enthusiasm for learning because they've got all of this trauma associated mm-hmm. with their education. And so um, it's hard for kids to, to break out of that cycle because they're not, they're not growing up with those same models. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens 20 years from now when these kids are the parents. Yeah. Yep. The world has shifted on its axis, hasn't it? Um, Sarah, I'm curious. I, I'm curious what you would say to the teachers out there, the teachers that are, you know, probably parenting as well. But do you have a little pep talk for the teachers who are trying to do also an impossible task? Oh my gosh, I have so much admiration and appreciation for them and sympathy because um, I'm friends with quite a few teachers and they are, they are, they are being pushed to their absolute limits right now. Not only are they being asked to teach in um, sometimes two or three different formats, you know, like a a social studies teacher that I'm friends with uh, in Oregon was talking about how she's got you know, the, the virtual synchronous and the virtual asynchronous and the in-person. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's crazy because she's having to do essentially three different lesson plans every day. And, and she's got a young child too. Um, her husband's a teacher as well. So they are, they are under so much stress. They're exhausted, but then they've got to help their kids with their schoolwork on top of everything. So um, it does feel like, uh, you know, I I hear a lot of them saying this isn't sustainable, you know? Uh, I hear a lot of them saying, we're gonna lose a lot of teachers by the end of this year because they're not gonna be able to- I feel like somebody just needs to come out and say, okay, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. We can't do this. Everybody stop. Stop. (laughs) Go bake some cookies. Yeah, there you go. Go We have been baking a lot of cookies lately, I will say. (laughs) Like it is it to expect teachers to do this. It's inhuman, inhumane to expect parents to do this. It's inhuman. We can't keep doing this. And I admire educators so much though for, for really trying because they, they don't want kids to fall behind. Yeah. And, um, and I know how hard they're trying. I, I've been speaking with um, educational leaders where we live now, and they're talking about how one of the big problems they're having is with some students just not showing up at all for the um, online stuff. And so then they try to... Um, figure out what's going wrong and they try to, you know, do home visits to, 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 to check in with families. And um, some of the families are not very appreciative of those yeah. home visits. And so you wonder like, what are those kids doing? What is this year of their life 
um, going to be? Are they in homes where parents are saying, well, let's just read a lot of books and play some educational games and let's get our exercise every day or not? More likely playing video games all day. And so I think that that what's keeping the teachers going is they're worried about the kids in the unstable homes where school is their safe place and and they can't go right now. So let me ask you two questions. There are so many opportunities and resources available. You know, the internet exists and there's all these different educational websites and programs and, you know, so much. It can be very difficult though to sort through and figure out, you know, what are the options and alternatives available to me in my community? So question one is, you know, how can a family kind of find and explore options for themselves? And then question two is, if a family has time, has resources, what can we be doing to help, um, you know, facilitate learning and support of kids who might not have that same support at home? Yeah, great questions. Um, So homeschoolers tend to be very resourceful and um, there are Facebook groups um, of homeschoolers in every state and in in most cities. So I recommend joining one of those groups, even if you're not a homeschooler, hopefully they'll let you in. (laughs) And then um, just scan the posts there because you'll see tons and tons of of great information. There are Facebook groups um, about teaching and learning of all different kinds of subjects. So if there's a subject in particular, you know, whether you're looking for math resources or social studies resources, those groups are are great in terms of being able to put a request out there and then lots of people, um, you know, will respond and it can be a very efficient way to get um, the information you're looking for. As far as in the community, I'll say that where where we are now, the the YMCA's are um, and the United Way both are uh, are the ones that are kind of at the forefront of trying to meet needs of families that 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 need help. They're developing what they're calling student support centers here, mm-hmm. where uh, they're specifically for elementary schoolers whose parents have to work, and they're following. Um, the health guidelines, but they've got, you know, staff supervising, um, they've, they've got time for kids to do schoolwork and also time for them to get exercise in a, in a, an appropriate space. They're, uh, just trying, trying really hard to connect families with all of the local agencies that, that have helped to give everybody's, you know, trying to step it up. All the agencies Mm -hmm. that, that help families are trying to step it up right now. I suggest if you want to help in your community, you know, contact the YMCA, they'll know what's going on. Contact the United Way, they'll know what's going on. Boys and Girls Clubs is another place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even your local food bank often um, will have connections to other agencies. And certainly, I mean, Need for Food is great as well, but that can be another place to start your search. And and I think too, um, going back to the subject of helping our boys, making them aware of opportunities for them to help in the community could do wonders for yeah. their um, motivation and attitude. The, the YMCA here has a youth volunteer core and they've always got projects that are, you know, the, 
they, they post pictures, the kids are in masks, but they're putting together baskets for the homeless shelter, or they're, you know, doing a gardening project, or, uh, you know, it, it really boosts their self-esteem to feel like they are being useful. Big exclamation point right there. That is such an important part of what is possible now. And it could be even as simple as, I mean, it's, it's fall here in Portland, the leaves are falling and it could be as simple as, Hey, let's go around and clean out the gutters so that the rain can flow to the sewer and, or let's rake the neighbor's leaves and pick up sticks or whatever, that there is that opportunity to be outside, wear your mask, be outside be working, be serving someone else in just in your local neighborhood. So it takes a little creativity, it takes some energy, but, um, and it might take the, you know, getting through, getting over the hurdle of, yeah, we are doing this. So, you know, this, get your boots on, let's go, (laughs) that resistance. But once you're out, you know, then it's the air and the sun and it feels so good or the rain. It feels good to be helping someone else. It does. And I think even if, you know, take a kid who, who you can't interest in anything except video games, they could do a fundraiser video game tournament. They could do a fundraiser video game stream, raise money for a cause that they care about and, and develop, um, you know, a graphic for promoting it then they can be learning skills, communication skills, design skills, um, business skills, um, while still doing something that they love, but for a good cause. Great idea. That was brilliant. That's a brilliant idea. And those (laughs) are the kinds of wins and what's possible when you give yourself a moment to back off from all the things that aren't working and then all the shoulds just give yourself some space and let your brain get creative and play around with ideas. So Sarah, oh my gosh, this has been such a helpful conversation. I think part of it is just the reassurance that listeners, you're not alone. We're all struggling with this from all aspects, from you know homeschoolers to school districts, to teachers, to kids, and, and to you know, hear you say, you're an expert in the field to hear you say, it's okay, take a pause, deep breathe, go make cookies, it's going to be okay. That's just makes me feel so good to just hear that reassurance. And so where can people find you? Uh, I have a Facebook page. It's called Learning Together Coaching. People can message me there. I would love to talk to anybody who uh, would like to brainstorm about solutions for their family. Nice. Thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for doing the work that you do. Thanks for inviting me. This was a real treat. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. 
it sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com.